Hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah, good. Good. So, Pascal, is it? Yeah, Pascal. Yeah, Pascal. So, do you come from Hong Kong? Oh, I'm a bit of a, <clears throat> I'm a bit of a milkshake, so um, mm -hmm. ha half English, half Swiss, but born and grew up in Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. what a lovely mix. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It makes for a real, <laughs> um, yeah, correct, exactly. That's right. Do you speak all the languages? Um, not all the languages, but I speak English, I speak French, German, and Cantonese. Cantonese not fluent, but it, um, it's pretty good, and it's more spoken. I didn't have the chance to learn it to write, so, mm -hmm. yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's cool. That's a cool <laughs> mixture of languages. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, so. I had uh, one friend who came from Bangladesh and grew up in Italy mm. and then studied in in one of the French-speaking areas. Right. And then uh, moved to Australia. She spoke all of the languages fluently, but wow. even better, she was a great cook in all of the traditions. So ah. she could cook amazing Indian curries and, <laughs> yeah, wow. and amazing <laughs> Italian pasta and, <laughs> and, and French cuisine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty pretty unique plus yeah yeah very cool so mm. tell me about tell me more about what you're doing um which part because there's, there's lots of there's actually lots of different parts about what i what's do what's your what's your mission it starts okay. with why. why why are you here why am i here well actually i think that the the my mission changed like as in through um yeah, now I'm now I'm here to now I'm here to awaken the consciousness of, mm. of the planet. But I wasn't present that that's what I was doing until maybe like it shifted um, mm. in probably the yeah probably within the last year and a half. That's kind of been the new shift, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's been a. What new was shift, your sense? So. What was your sense of it before you mm. came to this new? You well, I always knew that I wanted to make a difference. Mm. Mm. So I think it maybe got refined. So I always knew I wanted to make a difference. And I was, I was, I guess I was exploring in, in different places, the way I wanted to make a difference. And, and I think yeah. those parts of me that were wanting to make a difference are still there. That's interesting that you've asked me this question. So mm. I think they're still there. Like, so I wanted to make a difference through leadership and I wanted to make a difference through um, community projects. I wanted to make a difference through um, collaboration, um, uh, through harnessing um, my passions and my intuition. Um, but I think what's happened in the last kind of year and a half has um, it's been a, a greater refinement. It's yes. been a, a much greater deepening and a, a much greater, um, I mean, I've always had a lot of self-awareness, but I think the journey that I've been on has been like fully self, like 
fully round and wrap round self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think that's made that deepening very vivid and very rich and um, has definitely opened up the whole space around um, awakening. First, I think, I think the thing that's important to say is that the awakening has been with me first. So I don't think I yeah, would be... Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah. I assume so, that in the last correct. year and a half, there's some awakening has gone on inside you. Yeah, so actually, and actually it goes back further. So I think until I'd had, so um, until I'd had this awakening that happened within the last year and a half, um, it kind of put other puzzle pieces to other awakenings I'd had. So I maybe hmm. wouldn't have described it as an awakening previously. Um so that there have been a series of awakenings, but this this bigger awakening got me anchored into the fact that, oh, actually, I've I've had other awakenings in my life. Um, the first mm-hmm. one was around my health and right. really creating um, like, a, you know, like a health miracle, if you want to call it that um, mm-hmm. within myself. But I, I kind of perceived it to be a health miracle um so i i got um i had basically been initially dealing with like you know some autoimmune issues mm. and then it, it 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 gradually um all of a sudden built into a space where i was having um epstein bar virus symptoms yeah. and i'd never even heard of what that was and i was like mm. whoa okay and then all of a sudden i was having kind of level three symptoms not that I even knew what Epstein-Barr was at that time and then level three symptoms and it was pretty bad like it was very debilitating in my life and it took me on a very again each path is refined more refined more so it was really I then really went on a a very deep journey of of healing it from the spiritual point of view and um, when I did that you know I mean basically you know, the way I could term it, like I was a Christmas tree in terms of like how my symptoms were showing up and, and what was going on with me, like it was all going on at, at one time. And so yeah. when I had the, when I, when I had this, this, you know, the, the spiritual shift within myself, um, you know, like there's a whole bunch of different processes that I went through. And that meant that, you know, I, I basically woke up the next day having gone through these processes and I just had this feeling that it, all the symptoms had gone mm-hmm. and that, that I wasn't, I wasn't w- unwell in that way anymore. And I remember calling up this um, lady who was um, working with me also from um, like a a more of a functional space around my health and working with the energetics um, and, you know, calling her and saying to her, you know, I I think, you know, I think all the, all the symptoms have gone and I think I don't have this anymore. And I think you need to check me. (laughs) Um, You know, I was in a fragile space, but I really felt like it wasn't there. Um, and she's like, no, no problem, you know, you know, come over and, and, you know, we'll test and, and we'll, we'll, we'll look and I go, okay, great. And then I came, you know, came over and she did and like, she was absolutely gobsmacked that, you know, all the different things had gone, you know, there were a few, maybe little, little bits, but they were not, 
major yeah. in any way. Yeah. That was just more about things like leaving my system completely. So yeah. I then made a, a conscious decision that that with the wisdom and the learning that I'd got to heal myself, that I was extremely lucky and extremely blessed. And that inside of that, I was going to share the wisdom and the pathway and the things that I had received to be able to help others to do the same. Um, because I had felt like I had been given this opportunity that was given to me and I didn't see it. I saw it as a massive, um, a massive um, blessing that, that I was able to, to, to have that healing and go through that space. And I just felt innately that there were going to be other people, lots of people going to be going through um, very similar kind of, you know, unexplained issues and problems. And, you know, that the, the regular kind of health path wasn't going to be the way that it was going to rectify it or support them to, to heal. And have you been able to help people with that? In that yeah, way? I have. I have. So that's been part. So, so that's what I mean by it's been a continuous journey. But mm. um, I, I looked at that at the time as more of like, like as, as I said, a miraculous healing that had happened to me. But once this awakening that happened a year and a half ago, I went, oh, no, that was also an awakening. You know, mm. that was an awakening too. Um, but it's like levels, levels of the awakening that, that happened to me. Um, it makes and, you wonder what the next one is. Yeah. I, yeah. It, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. So, so exactly. So I think exactly because the healing or the, exactly the miraculous healing happened, I guess I wasn't really looking, you know, I wasn't looking for something else at the time. Right. <sighs> you're just, you're just dealing with what you're dealing with. Right. So I didn't have it in my space like, Oh, there's something else coming, but the point was that the way that life then went and proceeded was it, you know, it get, I had this, you know, the health miracle and I got the insights and I started healing and working with people to also heal their, all their different types of ailments and, and things like that. I mean, I worked with other people in other areas too, but that was a particular, you know, that was a particular one that was on my radar because of what I'd gone through. Um, but then, yeah. And then a year and a half later, um, bang you know another awakening which for me um was even bigger than what I had experienced then and at the time whenever you're at that current point with whatever you're dealing with you always think that's the biggest thing you're dealing with and you can't possibly mm -hmm. see kind of how anything could be bigger than the one you're currently dealing with um but so last year what happened was that um I was in a relationship with someone for about, you know, uh, a sustained period of time and we were living together and we were due to fly to Singapore and um, we got, we got married inside of before us leaving to, we were both in Hong Kong as well, by the mm. way. And um, we were due to be moving there and starting kind of a new chapter together and, um, you know, had packed everything up with my cat and um three days before we were due to fly my then husband because we got married uh and a week and a half later passed away and had an unexpected heart oh, attack wow. yeah had an unexpected heart attack mm. um and the way i can express to you um was that it wasn't it, it i mean the unexpected tragedy of that event um obviously 
you know, as I said, created this whole, whole new awakening journey that I was on uh, with that last year. Um, and the other thing about it was that there were also other parts that were connected to the awakening that made that even like even more potent mm-hmm. or even more um, because Hong, Hong Kong is, is my home. It's where I was born. And last year was when all of the protests and the riots kicked off. So it's like everything coming all at once, you know? So, you know, the, the feeling of like the, the, the mat got pulled underneath me from the space of my, my, my personal space with, with my husband. And then the, the wider home space of what Hong Kong represented was also dying. So they were, they were both dying at the same time for me. Right. So, so that was, you know, that was a, you know that was really something to navigate um and sit with and uh walk through is what i can say um yeah yeah and so (laughs) so what did you discover inside of you mean all of that happening yeah what what Um, kind of awakening was this what did you find um well so the thing was that I really had to sit, I had to sit. So prior to that, I thought I'd already done quite a lot of work with what you might perceive your, you know, I don't know, your inner darkness, your inner shadow, mm. you know, the, the, the things that, you know, you might be scared of, but when something like this happens and the tower just completely collapses, um, I guess, any and all remnants of those dark shadows, any any conversations that that then triggered, um, it's just like a cascading effect of, of what wanted to come out to be healed. So I really had to sit and keep being with all these, you know, really fluctuating different emotions, some of which I hadn't, some of which I still was quite amazed I had not felt, you know, mm-hmm. things like what it felt like to feel bereft, um, to feel um despairing to feel because now that there was an element of like feeling very displaced um you know like my belonging had gone right um so and then this whole new kind of current and wave of grief that I had never experienced before you know yeah I mean I'd had experiences where people that were I cared about but were less removed from me had passed away but that was not the same as somebody that I think the thing that I think strikes this in a, a unique way was, mm, you know, me and him were very close, right? So this was a very deeply penetrating relationship that was taken away from me. Yeah. Mm. And so having released those, those darknesses, mm. what do you left? Um, a series of, a series of being, of series of like really getting clear what's important to me and what's not Mm. like that real sense of like, oh, it's, I mean, there's, there's so much, there is so much rich richness. I couldn't, I can go into it, but like, you know, all the things that I was giving time to that, that, that are really just not a priority to me. Um, there's a feeling of like, 
deeply coming home to myself and what that home coming home to myself really looks like and feels like to me, you know, yeah. with no pretenses. Yeah. Like really, you know, like the, the real, like the real authentic truth of me and what I want to be expressing inside of me and what do I want to be um, living and what do I want to be um, expressing around my dreams like a real real different focus about like coming home to myself and and awakening the light that's what's really interesting is that because I've had to sit with you know the different levels of my darkness or the different levels of my pain or having to be with these different emotions um the other flip side that has happened which I guess maybe other people have talked about, but again, I just wasn't in the realm of like looking at or thinking about death. You know, I'm 30, I mean, sorry, I'm 40. Okay. So it's not, doesn't tend to be the, the kind of conversation yeah. that regular 40 year olds are looking for. I'm just, I'm just being really honest, right? Mm. This is something that people contemplate later on in life. Whereas this happened to me bang in my midlife, right? So it's like, wow, that, that, that in, in and of itself is a completely different rewiring too, because it's like now inside of the space is this feeling of like this complete rebirth and this complete reset again of, you know, who I want to be and, and who I want to express myself to be. Um, but what's been amazing inside of it is that, you know, you know, as humans, we're trained to numb the pain this is what I really want to say today really numb it really pretend it's not there I mean we are living in an epidemic of stress in an epidemic of numbing pain of prescribing to people that they should take all sorts of drugs to um, get through the day so as to pretend that you know they don't have to feel what they're feeling right um, so we're not taught as human beings to sit with and be with the pain and move through it. And, and I think that's, what's got to alter. Like this is fundamental to me inside of the shift of, 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 of being able to awaken to the humanity and the human that we are really, mm. um, because we, we can't, we're not going to get anywhere, um, by pretending that it, we're going to get through when we just keep numbing pain, deflecting pain, pretending it doesn't exist um it's just going to create more problems um a, a greater epidemic later on um and we're starting to see it you know we're already starting to see it and so that really you know that's a big that's a big calling for me uh, to support and so this awakening the light that's happened within me as as a result of stepping forward and being with the different elements of the darkness um, has created this real breaking open experience for me within myself that's allowed me to soften, has allowed me to, to experience other different elements and appreciation of my light in a completely different way. The tenderness, um, the, 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 the radical empathy, the ever-flowing ocean of compassion. I mean, it's not like that those things weren't there for me, but there's a, just a huge like ocean of depth and, and magnitude that's now present and possible 
that I guess was not there in the way it was before. And I, I think that's also part of my service now is, is supporting people to learn how to awaken their light through their grief or through their loss or through their trauma. Um, and that a whole new way is possible. Hmm. Something you haven't mentioned, but I have this mm. sneaking suspicion. <laughs> Are you very empathic? Yes, very. And did you find that that was a, a, a challenge earlier in your life before you learned what to do? Um, I think I've, I've always been. Yeah, I've always been. I think like if I, you know, if I look it, that's always been, that's always been there. And that's, I've yeah. always been made available to that and knew that that's there with me. So I think that's been something. Have you always, have you always experienced that as a positive thing or has that sometimes been uh, a difficulty in life? Um, I think that's a good question. Um, I, <laughs> I think, I think it's, I, I mean, no, overall I do. I definitely am an embracer of it and believe that mm. it's one of my superpowers um, but I think what, what comes up in this space is you get tested with it and where you get mm. tested with it is more to do with like other people's perceptions of it. Right. Mm. So, you know, Oh, you're maybe too much this, or you feel too much of that. And, you know, so, so as, as, as people on the path, you know, whether you're a healer or light worker or, you know, any of that, um, I think it's more about how you get tested to keep standing in who you are. And, and it's kind of like, well, you know, and inside of that, it's like, it allows you to really stand for yourself and stand in your sovereignty and be like, oh, you know, I, I know I'm really clear that this is my superpower. And if you don't like it, that's your problem. <laughs> like, really? Like, yeah, because yeah. the problem is that healers and all of that get taken down inside of that, right? Because then they go through this whole big rumination tunnel of thinking, oh, my God, you know, like, is something really, like, is that, you know, yeah, is my, because I'm too empathic and too sensitive and too, too much of whatever it is that, you know, one perceives, that then, then they go, maybe there is something wrong with me, right? And, and actually, I, I, I actually work very um very definedly with healers like that's a big part of my area because one of the things i found is that healers have to walk the dark night of the soul and they have to you know they're they they're almost on an amplified fast track journey um through some version of of maybe a loss or a death or um uh some kind of transition um or trauma and so you know, I really support people to awaken their light because then they go off and help others to, you know, you know, do the same. So, so that's kind of like a big branch and area of, of space where I really work with people and I, and, and I attract them big time into my space to support them. I've noticed um, quite a lot of people talking about empathy as a, as a suffering rather than as a joy. Mm. Um, that they feel too much other people's feelings and so they're not able to um, handle being around other people very much. Mm. That, they are, that empathy is something that overwhelms them rather than something that, that gives them 
peace and joy. Mm. Um, it sounds like you you didn't experience it quite in that way. Um, no, and and yeah. I think yeah, I think I think the reason is I'm okay. So I think the reason is for a variety of reasons. One is I'm very discerning. I think this is mm. also very important to say doing what we do. You do need to be discerning. You need to be discerning of who do you have in your space? Um, how long are you with them? Um, you know, as, as somebody who is empathic, you have to, it, if you're aware of the way things work with you and the way that you need things to be, then you're going to be more mindful how those, you know, how those interconnectedness or those relationships are going to support you, right? So it's like sometimes, for example, you know, and exactly, sometimes I get people, you know, who want support with that. Like, how, how do I actually navigate being empathic around others, right? And one thing I would say is, you know, do you recognize, like, sometimes, it, you know, when you're feeling drained by people, when you actually need to take time away from people and request time away, right? Do you do that? And they're like, no, I, I just, I force myself to stay there and, you know, and then I get drained from it and, and then I get resentful later because I didn't take the time I need. So, so there's, there's a whole space about supporting people around this, right? It's, you know, not, you know, how sometimes people need to take themselves away and empaths particularly need more space alone than others. Um, and part of that is so they can go and recharge, right? Mm. So, and there's nothing wrong with that if you know that you need to do that. It's just like a mobile phone, right? Empaths need to go away and, and get a reboost. And sometimes that's away from people because that's when they can tune in, you know, and feel other things about people. So therefore they need to go and take themselves away. But if they're aware of that, then they're going to be more happy to join people again. And then also create relationships where people understand this about them and there's that kind of real fluid back and forward and it's not a big deal. But if they're constantly putting themselves in situations where they're around energy vampires, I call it, or energy suckers or people who are constantly kind of pulling energy from them, but it's also the empath's responsibility about what they're doing about that. They can't just be complaining about these people and saying, oh, these people are constantly taking my energy. It's kind of like, look, you also have to be responsible inside of that and say, you know, what are you doing to, to, to create a situation where you, you hold loving boundaries or you hold a space or, or what are your practices to, to keep that working for yourself and the other mm. people around you? Mm. You know, we have to develop these practices. Um, and, and then when we do use them, then we're going to be, we're going to feel, um, we're going to feel happy to use them because we're not feeling like they're constantly being used or depleted or, you know, any of those things. So, so I think there's a range of different things I have to say about that. Um, and, and I think the other part about why people feel the way they do when you said that is because people don't see it as a superpower, you know, the mm -hmm. ones who don't. They haven't got to a point yet where they've realized that actually that's what makes them unique and what, mm -hmm. you know, and so maybe they've also had a variety of experiences that's made them feel like it's a burden. And that's also something, again, that, that as empaths, one needs to kind of work through as part of your journey to get to a point where you're able to release the charge on it being a burden and, and seeing it as a gift. 
And I think this is true of all all inner gifts that they're mm. they can be seen as a burden, and if you're not really um, embracing it as your superpower, as your gift, then then it becomes always something that kind of knocks at you and causes issues in your life. It becomes your your burden, your curse. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when you just said that, I got this, like the wording and the visual that came in for me is like, it becomes like your Achilles heel. Mm. You know, the yeah. place that you constantly feel like you're always being injured at, and it's always hitting mm. that same point, something like that. So for me, it's about quality of vibes. Um, mm. So I'm, I have a great sense of connection to oneness since my mm. school of oneness mm. and if i go to some kind of meditation and they're creating some kind of sense of peace or devotion and it's not really oneness i come out extremely sad mm. and if i go to any party where i'm not fully connecting to oneness if i go to listen to music go to a movie anything that is not fully connected to oneness makes me really sad. And so it's a, it's, it's a real, can be a real curse in my life. It's like it's so difficult for me to join into those activities that other people are mm. getting so much out of. Um, but it gives me a really unique ability. It means that mm. when other people look at the spiritual world and the levels of development that we go to the, through the stages of awakening it's kind of a vague um, foggy path through an uncertain series of awakenings mm. for me it's just like blindingly obvious what's going on because because it hurts me it hits me so hard mm. so it means that my ability to guide and critique and, and um, find really, really effective, deep ways of doing things is, is very, very strong. Mm. And now I can see this as a, as a gift and a joy because this means that I can spend my life doing these things that are really deep and, and wonderful ways of connecting with, with the universe and with others. So this is my gift. It sounds great. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. Used, used as a superpower, it's great. Without using it as a superpower, it becomes a terrible mm. Yeah, and, and I, I think that mm. it's the same for everyone, and different people have different issues. Whatever it is, it's really important to find what is your superpower and how can I use it. And I think the other thing that's related to your message of oneness is that we you know it is also about if you're on a different you know that's what i mean you're on a different set of journey where you're still in burden for example mm. then part of it is also looking and 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 seeing how you can be supported along your journey or guided that it doesn't have to be a burden and that it can shift from being a burden into a gift sometimes we, that's what i mean sometimes people shine a light on that for us um mm. And, and we need, we need sometimes, it's not through any lack or fault of our own, but the point is like, 
at some point we were suffering and um, through the journey that we took, we're now able to see it as a gift. But, you know, yeah. part of the oneness is don't sit in, in the suffering yourself because realize that other people have been there with the suffering and that mm. we can now also as part of that lean into each other and support each other to get to the place where it's a gift that's all possible yes. inside of oneness yes and another yes. thing that came up for me when you're talking mm -hmm. we were talking about empaths is that i think that a, a large cause of the problem with too much empathy is when your own energy field is weak mm. Um, so I think that empaths, they're empathic because they're connected to the energy field very strongly. Mm. And if they're connected only in a passive way, then they get all of the information uh, and the information is overwhelming. But if they connect in an active way where they're expressing and extending their energy outwards, then they're becoming an influence to others rather than others influencing them. Yeah, that's true. And the other thing when you were saying that that came into my space is the other thing that really helps or would help empaths is that they don't realize because I think it's also, I do also think it's a journey for people to realize they're an empath. <laughs> so, yes, of yeah, right. So, one of the things is A, they, they're like, oh, I'm feeling all these things I didn't realize I was. And then they start kind of connecting, going, oh, I'm an empath. Okay. And then then there's a journey exactly of like seeing, you know, you know, how that then affects their field and, and how they connect to it. And then mm. how do they hold it? But then the other awareness that comes in is like, oh, I don't have to be a lonely empath. You know, there yeah. are other empaths out there. And it's like, yeah, yeah there are. So empaths, so, you know, really, it really works when empaths, are, you know, find their, their empath tribe, you know, mm. and people that connect as well as empaths you know, maybe might be slightly different, but having that community of other empaths around them really supports them and really kind of gets them excited and juiced. And that would also support them to also see that it's a gift because yeah, different empaths are along their own empath journey as well. So I think the other thing to, to really, you know, important to raise is don't be an empath on your own. You know, don't just go into thinking you have to stay a solo empath. And mm. if it if it if it started that way, then I totally get it. But it doesn't mean it needs to end that way. You know, reach out or or start consciously intending and creating that you're going to start yeah, attracting absolutely. other people in your and, space. And empaths, like empaths, may be a very small proportion of society, but mm. they really stand out. So when yeah. you start to start to uh, tune into the the who they are it's actually quite easy to find many of them yeah agreed i agree i totally agree with that hmm. and then it gets exciting because you know you can kind of do this dance of like exploring your empathic nature with other people who are empaths and yeah you're no longer now you're feeling like and that's another thing that the empath likes is to feel part of a collective right and part yeah. of a tribe right so now it starts to feel like I'm not kind of the only, the lonely wolf uh, on this kind of journey myself. And another aspect is if we extend that further, it's not just connecting with other people, it's connecting more universally with the, the universal energy. Mm -hmm. Correct. And 
and and we talked about energy vampires and losing your energy. Mm. So this is something that is is a big issue when you're not connected to the universal energy. Yeah. Because your personal energy is limited, but when your universal energy is flowing through, there is no limit to how much energy you can give. Mm. And yeah. so so people can't really suck your energy when you're channeling universal energy. They can only uh, draw some energy from the universe through you, which is which is you serving their highest growth and yeah. their healing. It essentially turns you into a healer, not into a uh, something that gets sucked dry. Yeah, and I think that's the other part that when you know, again, when when you get together in a collective, you become like a, you know, like a you know, like a hero team in your empath. Mm. And, and then, you know, you're starting to see how, you know, how the empaths are connecting to that universal consciousness and using it. Now you start to feel like you're part of like a superhuman team where you're kind of zapping out your energy, bringing it on, you know, you know, I, I have experienced in me where I start to feel like I'm, you know, really embodying wonder woman and she-ra right like so those are my anchors right and, and and like that's really me like you know and i'm right. so proud of sharing that because it's like you know it gets me excited and it's a visual thing you know sometimes i can feel like um a bit like neo in the matrix so mm -hmm. sometimes it's it, it goes like that sometimes it's a bit kung fu panda where you know there's that part where you kind of jumps up and he's got this kind of swirling lasso and there's all mm. this kind of you know amazing golden energy and he's quite cute you know so it depends on the day who I you know who I'm harnessing but the point is like it's just it really is a real embodiment of what's possible in in what we're able to create in these energies um both individually consciously universally um but I'm all about also wanting people to kind of give up the seriousness, to give up the heaviness and start kind of exploring it as play um, and super, you know, superpowers and, and superheroes really create a very powerful anchor and possibility inside of that world and, and, and realm for it. And I'm deeply anchored there. <laughs> so you'll find me, you know, <laughs> playing in Wonder Woman mode uh, on, a, on a certain day with her powers and uh, having real fun with it. Do you remember when you were a child what you wanted to be when you grew up? Oh, it's really funny that you bring that up because I had a, yeah, I had a call with some <laughs> ladies actually yesterday and this has been coming up, but that came up on our call. And, and uh, yeah, my embodiment was um, a combination of fairy godmother Mm -hmm. And fairy godmother is all about creating dreams and making mm. dreams possible, harnessing and creating magic and miracles in any possible way, right? So that's mm. the whole manifesting energy, the alchemist, mm. magician, all, you know, a whole world with the fairy godmother. And but what's unique is that I didn't just want to be the fairy godmother; I want to be fairy godmother and Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was like, okay, you know, and, and when I was younger, I was like, it's totally possible. Like I could be Madonna and the fairy godmother. And um, for me, um, Madonna is like, you know, she's the chameleon. She's the, 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 the transformation. She's uh, rebirth and death mm. and, you know, um, giving rise to, you know, she's kind of, for me, the, 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 
you can be you can be anything you can morph mm. into anything you want to be as a woman and as a mm. as a female um in her feminine power and and glory um because you know i grew up in the 80s right so so madonna was the big madonna was the big um the, the protagonist at that that point in yeah, my yeah. life um but what's interesting is that you know i'm starting to feel like you know i i i'm i'm starting to really feel that the that embodiment is the expression of of who i am being and who i'm becoming right now and 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 i'm like i'm excited about that and i think that you know it's nice to feel like i'm and what's interesting is like there's a feeling of coming home to them right so like coming home to these parts of me and then as a result kind of expressing them but it doesn't feel like it, it it's kind of like somewhere out there not possible kind of thing mm. you know mm -hmm. um but uh yeah and and i think the thing about that is that um we the, the those parts of us those parts of us are here are here to be realized and 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 you know it's who we're becoming and it can be whatever you want it to be like in my case as well like they're, they're, they're quite they're quite polar opposites in one way yet as I embody them I feel they're actually quite close to each other um, <laughs> but um but um it's it, but it's just a fun game you know and that that's what I mean by I want, also want to make that available to people to be whoever it is you want to be be fearless we about should, that we should contact Madonna and challenge her to do a fairy godmother <laughs> yeah, <album>. I know, <laughs> I think I think she would be really touched if I were I very she, honest <laughs> to hear that. Like, it would be really good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she'd be really touched by my, um, you know, like yeah. my calling about who I wanted to be. That it, that that I could see it as possible that they could go mm. together. And I'm sure she mm. she probably would even create a very powerful song. Or or, yes. or I could yes. see, yeah, she would probably create a very powerful song and space around that with her embodying the fairy godmother for me right? yeah, absolutely. Um, it would be really good I think but uh yeah, yeah so so um yeah I, I think this this question <laughs> of what do you want to be when you grow up children mm. often answer it very wisely um, <laughs> but but in a way that is not necessarily <laughs> literal I, know. I wanted to I, I also what had did a you super, want it? superhero yeah. thing. I wanted ah. to be super, Superman, yeah. Ah, okay. Um, or just a superhero of some kind. But, right. But, you know, what does a superhero mean to me? It's mm. someone who has um, special powers mm. and uh, goes around saving the world. Mm. And it's like, yeah, well, what do I do these days? I learn about spiritual powers my own and other people's and I <laughs> yeah, look okay. at the issues of the world and how I can resolve all of these issues and transform society it's like yeah I'm totally superman yeah I think you need to get the suit I think that's what's missing you need to get the suit but yeah I totally think you're living that I think you're totally living that embodiment right and it's very very interesting a few other stories I've heard of people similar like this there's one one person <laughs> I know who said he wanted to be a astronaut mm. and he ended up becoming a monk okay and so he said, well, it, it, there wasn't really an opportunity to explore outer space, so I explore inner space. Ah, 
Oh, wow. That's cool. I love yeah. that. I really yeah. love that. That's quite, yeah, that's quite wicked too. Yeah. So, so we get some interesting ones. Um, it'd be interesting to see what my children end up with. My, yeah. Uh, when I first, when we first asked my son what he wanted to be when he grew up, he mm -hmm. said, uh, a dad. Ah. Uh, right. And then he, that changed to a librarian and a chauffeur. <laughs> and a... <laughs> But like you said, the thing is, it's what's deeply deeper behind it, right? Yeah, exactly. It's the what's That's this the whole, pointing yeah, towards. Yeah, yeah correct. And it's, it is uh, very interesting because very few people ask you, you know, like, what did you want to be when you're younger? And it's quite, yeah. it's it's very telling. There's actually it like is. whole worlds inside of that 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 mm. you know you, that that really unearth things for yourself about what who you are and it's a good anchor point to connect with even on the journey where you feel like you might've gone off the path yes. somewhere and, um, you know, reconnecting with that kind of gets you reconnected with yourself again. So I, I think it's really powerful and potent stuff. Maybe we could even ask the question again, you know, <laughs> what would you like to be next time you grow up? Hmm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but, but not only that, I think we're at a point in, in our world and in our earth where it's really about bringing that back. You know, what did you really, what do you really want to be? You know, what do you want to really be right now? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think the way that the world is moving is exactly we're shifting, shifting back into realizing that that's the way that we really want to live. And it's not some kind of pipe dream. I, I heard a motivational speaker, a fairly conventional mm -hmm. motivational speaker mm -hmm. talking. Um, but he had a very interesting point. He said, make a to-be list. Mm. We make a to-do list, a lot of us. But if you make a to-be list, I want to be uh, loving. I want to be successful. I want to be, what is it that I want to be? Mm -hmm. And then you look at look at your look back on that and see how well am I embodying these qualities in my life. I think it's quite a quite an interesting practice. It's funny that you say that. That is what a lot of my work is about. And actually yeah. when you were talking about that, that's also it went it, the universe went, Yeah, that's why you want to be Madonna, you know, and actually then the fairy godmother is and that's why you want to be the fairy godmother. Because <laughs> yeah. cause they're all about embodying being right in mm. different ways whether it's like be risk-taking or be risk be be brazen right there's nothing mm. that the both of them say i can't i can't recreate myself to be yeah and that and that's why i think they hold that potent container whether it's magical or whether it's miraculous or whether it's you know um being badass right it's mm -hmm. it's <laughs> it's all those spaces right and mm -hmm. as women, we, you know, women, not, not, I mean, not just, not just women, men too, but, you know, for women, there's a, a particular conversation that they, you know, think that there's only certain ways that they can be as a woman, right? It's very limiting. And usually it's inside of a world of a role they're playing, right? A role they think they should be. And they're not lit up. I can tell you, they're not it's, lit up. And not it's very interesting all. to see, see the... There's also in this uh, feminist movement, mm. a lot of people who become something in a 
in reaction to what they don't want to be without mm. really becoming what they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother is a very interesting example. She, oh. she was a very strong feminist in talking about the women's right to be whatever they want to be. Right. Um, and, but she didn't really find herself until rather later in life. And okay. she was very embarrassed to find that she really liked being a housewife. Mm. She was like... Oh, um, you mean after all the discovering, it, it took, her, took her to that place? Yeah. Okay, she got it. She discovered that she liked being at home, not <laughs> having to work, having the husband worry about the money, mm. um, having a nice place and being able to, <laughs> to look after the, the family, be it the small family or, or the extended family. Well, but I, I guess she had a real fun time exploring that conversation. I guess it doesn't really matter where it, it takes you in the end, you know. It's yeah, about the exploration right. of it, right? Um, well, it's about finding finding what works for you. Yeah, correct. That too. That too. And, and so, so to be open to strange places, surprising places, <laughs> and sometimes it can take us surprisingly back to something really normal that we mm. we've thought that we were looking for something amazing and actually no i just yeah that's actually that's yes that is very true and as but exactly there's both spaces there's a possibility yeah. with women that they can really break out of the mold and do something that they've always really wanted to do but have been too scared to because they've always been being the good the good mm. girl or the nice girl or the one that they think they should be but then for the, for the others, for others, it's it's just about being able to acknowledge that, you know, actually, I'm really happy having this country life or this simple life or being um, being a mother, and that there's nothing wrong in it, in saying that and being wanting yeah. to be that either, right? But we've we've got so many spaces to navigate, <laughs> that mm. as women, like you know, so so we really we really need to you know take stock and. Yeah, a big part of my work is actually also working in that area, you know, about um, have people having women really kind of tap into their innate essence and becoming what I call their own sacred flame. And so when they're becoming their own sacred flame, they're burning away all the roles and the responsibilities and the conditionings that they think they should be and, you know, rising in their own flame, you know, who is it that they really want to be? And, um, you know, and it takes many different variations and shapes. Like I said, sometimes it's about people wanting to embrace their sexiness or their badassness or their being wild and free. For others, it's about being, you know, more tender and more like present. And, you know, but it's all in the being. There's no like whatever happens, whatever gets, you know, inside of the flame is that all the roles and the definitions of what you think it should be get stripped away Hmm. and taken away. And I think that's where the whole I think that's where all the aliveness is really, you know. People aren't alive until like they're connected to their being and women as well as men have, you know, stopped kind of connecting to their aliveness and who they are as, as people, you know, they started creating themselves as a, a noun instead of a verb and stop relating, relating to themselves, relating to who they're creating themselves to be. And, and it just, you know, you lose all sort of life force inside of that. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. I find visiting, um, 
more what you could say backwards communities mm. less less well um, mm -mm. economically developed communities mm. and my observation is that people's physical lives are much more limited they have much more much less choice mm. um, but their sense of aliveness and their sense of themselves is much stronger and so on some level they feel like they have more choice yeah it's true they you're right like they're able to find themselves i guess maybe a part of it is that they don't you know they don't feel like they're limited or there's no excuse not to just embrace the moment in the way mm. that they do yeah i went to china mm. and um in china in the like little towns in mainland china mm. the there were a lot of really happy people. Mm. People just walked around the streets smiling. Mm. And coming from Australia, this was very unusual. Um, <laughs> why was that? Why was that really unusual? That's really interesting. Look, coming from Australia, that was really unusual. Well, that was. That <laughs> Didn't was, you see people smiling in Australia? <laughs> um, not for no reason. Ah, okay. Yeah, if you're just okay. walking down the street, right? There'll be a kind of stress about it. There'll be a kind of purpose about it. People mm. will, be, will be smiling if they're having a party, if there's something good going on. Mm. But the the inner natural state is not not happy. It's interesting um, that you've yeah. experienced that because for me, I've experienced the opposite. I've oh, gone really? to yeah, I've gone to Australia, and I'm thinking, my God, what are these people on? Like, maybe it's just the part of Australia, or just what I was, you know, in in the vicinity of. But where did like, you go? Um, I went to I went to Melbourne, mm. and different parts where I went, people were just very, um, yeah, alive, very like yeah, just wow. in their own innate state, and I was like, wow, okay, like cool. I'd I'd been at a point, I think you know, not to take anything away, because again, different times, you know, different times represent different things. But, you know, being in Hong Kong, I'd, you know, been seeing a lot of people feeling a lot of oppression that, you know, they can't do certain things, you know, so like, that wasn't a state that was present before in Hong Kong, people used to feel like just what you were saying that, you know, for no reason, you just used to go down to the market cell or whatever, it'd just be like, hi, you know, Joe San morning, yeah. right? But that whole space shifted when people started to feel like, oh, I'm not sure about my future. I'm not sure mm. what's happening here. And that that yeah. that that natural state you talked about wasn't present, you know, in the mm. same way. People, you could feel just this undercurrent of stress in the space. It was very mm. different. And then for me, it was a real kind of nice eye-opening shift when I went to Australia and saw, wow, you know, like, Okay, people, you know, mm. just people have that natural, natural, yeah, vivaciousness well, going on. Melbourne, Melbourne's quite famous for particular things in Australia. Mm. The first is for having really bad weather. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, and the second is for having a really good music scene. And I think the two are related and actually relate mm. to the, what you're talking about, because the weather is so bad that you have to do something. Mm. it's like it's too hot it's too cold it's whatever it is so people um go indoors and they find activities that that they that meet their needs and so they end up being more creative um mm. 
Oh, and God, the creativity yeah. has really come out from that. I love it. I love it. My God, I was just in seventh heaven. I was like, the, the shows, the creativity, mm. the like for me, the art. Oh my God, amazing art, yeah. mind blowing art. You so know, there's so, a huge number amazing. of musicians and artists who sure. get serious, so they move to Melbourne because I can see why. That's where it's happening. Um, but what happened to me in China is. Yeah is I was seeing these very happy people mm. and, and I asked them, I asked my friend, so why is everyone so happy here? And she said, I don't know, why are you not? <laughs> <laughs> That's, a good, <laughs> That's a good one. She just kind of flipped it back on you. Said, what yeah, did you say? What well, you I didn't say? have an answer to that question. So I asked another question. I asked, so what do you, what do, you do to be happy? Um, you know, okay. If you want to become happy, what do you do? She said, well, what do you like doing? <laughs> and what did you say? That was the end of the conversation. Uh, I couldn't okay. find anything more to say to that. It's like, it's just so bloody obvious, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody. No, that's a good way that they went about that conversation with you, I think. Mm. But it, but, but that, that does, I mean, yeah, but it it's does. It's really talking mm. about what we're talking about here. Yes. It's talking about this that you can find yourself, you can find what you want to be. And... Actually, you know what? This, that really points it also for me what it's been like in, the epide- uh, in this epidemic, mm. you know, with, with coronavirus, because the thing is, we're all in we're all in we're all in the same ocean but we're all in a different boat right because it's yeah yeah, wherever we're placed or with whatever situation we've been given in it but the point is like we're in our own little hub you know we're in our own little world okay our own little microcosm right now inside of a big microcosm and the conversation then becomes like okay well what are you doing right now to make yourself feel happy alive passionate within the space of what you can create and for me, what's interesting is that it's really got me tapped into my imagination again. Mm. Because now, you know, you know, instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to go to a place and experience that, it's about, well, how can I recreate that space where I am currently? Right. And then inside of that, it's limitless. Mm-hmm. You can go off anywhere, right? You can create anything. So it's bringing a whole nother dimension to my creativity again. Yes. And it's awesome. And I think we, we've lost touch with it. Like you're talking about childlike, you know, things, right? And what, what do we feel like being? Well, you know, again, it's that really bringing that inner child back and that sense of real curiosity and imagination and wonder back into our space. You know, it's not about waiting for when the pandemic ends. Like, what do you, what do you want to feel and create and live by in this present moment? Because for me, that's all that matters. Like this, what this, what's happened with my husband, what's happened with the pandemic, both seem to have also come again, very close together in messaging is that there's only the present. We only have this present 24 hour window and the next one starts again. Um, So it's about living in the present. And so how do you want to live that present right now? Do you want to, do you want it to be miserable? Do you want it to be, you know, unhappy? What can you do inside of the space right now that makes you happy? One of the other things I've been doing is like, you know, doing some kind of like virtual dancing, you know, 
like because mm-hmm. I love to dance you know and and instead of being in a conversation that you know I can't dance the way I'd like to you know normally do it with communities and things like that you know there's all sorts of different other opportunities that become available when you just kind of accept the moment and move with the present yeah, yeah. right I... just like just like us having this recording, like I loved having these kind of conversations, right? We just happened to be doing it recorded, but yeah. you know, I like connecting with very interesting and unique souls who are up to things in life and, and finding out more about their mission and what they're creating and having this kind of really co-created connection mm. with a human being. So for me, this is, this is juicy. This is really like, this is what I'd like to be doing anyway. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. it's like, okay, great. So so it's like life doesn't stop inside of it. Yeah, and there's several times in my life where I, I can look back and say that I created really interesting things, did, did a lot of good things and really enjoyed myself because things were not working out. Mm. And it's like the blockage creates, if you, if you, instead of looking at the blockage, look at the creative possibilities that mm. we can do with it and can create all kinds of interesting things interesting things yeah that's right you're right so yeah the the coronavirus hit when i was just starting to be successful as a musician here in portugal okay and uh and we were just planning to organize some events of course all the events get cancelled so what do i do i started recording and then i uh, actually recorded an album Oh, wow, congrats on that. Yeah. What Never kind of music? Yeah, what well, kind of music do well, you, sorry, yeah, what kind of music? What kind of music do I, I play? Yeah. I play, yeah. I play folk music, I play traditional music. And, okay. And I, and I um, improvise violin. Oh. So that means that I kind of fit with whatever is around. Wow, interesting. Um, violin, awesome. Kind of, yeah, kind of like, uh, I do what the, electric guitar does except on a violin have you heard of this new band that i just heard recently called ember trio no i'll have to check <laughs> i thought they were awesome so i went on britain's got i just we have britain's got yeah. talent here and and the reason i like it is because you know there's all sorts of different types of people and and in acts that go on it that aren't only from england right there are people from all over that want to come and you know showcase their acts and this 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 kind of current um batch 2020 there's this amazing um yeah viol- like modern violinist group of men called mm. ember trio and um yeah it was brilliant it's really really awesome to to listen to them currently i'm learning to sing fado which is um what's that tragic portuguese music it's the most <laughs> heart-wrenching tragic singing that you can imagine you know you've heard flamenco singing yes yes I've heard it's of kind that, of the portuguese yes. version of that oh and and the the lyrics are things like uh how can i possibly survive <laughs> this day now that i know that you're never going to come back to me you know this, this kind of thing <laughs> are you planning to use those lyrics with your violining or you know just exploring i'm, just, I'm that learning to yeah, I, I've played lots of instruments in my day. Oh. Violin is is the one that I get into most, but right. it, but I do it as as part of a group. And okay. the opportunity to have groups at the moment mm. is not so much, and so right. I'm learning to sing and I'm learning to do to do other things. Oh, nice! Really nice. Yeah. Right. Um, 
I'm actually also practicing my uh, classical guitar, solo classical guitar, because I'm in this tiny little town where mm. it goes down really well, and I don't have an opportunity to perform in a band, but if I get out the guitar and play a piece, uh, everyone loves it, so it's like, okay, here's oh, an opportunity, nice. here's, a, here's a creative direction yeah. I can go, I can't do this way, I can do that way. Oh, awesome, really, yeah. really, really cool. Do you speak Portuguese? I'm learning. Wow. Okay. I'm, people say I'm learning fast, but it's not fast wow. enough. Oh. <laughs> I think it's great that you're learning. How long have you been in Portugal? About a year. A year. But, you know, okay. most of that time is this, this corona period. So it's mm. kind of difficult to pick up the language in this isolation period. Right. Okay. So, but you're finding your way exactly. Yeah, I'm here. finding you're, my you're... way. I can I can communicate on daily subjects. Um, That's very good. And I can even I've even had some fairly deep conversations. It just takes mm. me a long time to get a sentence out because I have to kind of struggle to find each word. Right, right, um, right. But you know, it comes. That's how it works. You slowly work on it, and uh, I think that. For anyone learning languages, the main advice I have is that mm. you just have to use it. Yeah, it's as true. As long as you're using so the true. language, then you will you will true. learn it. And as long as long as you're not losing it, using it, you don't really learn it. And so I, I make sure that I go out there and that I talk to people. And if it's embarrassing and awkward, um, just laugh about it. That's fine. Awesome. And what had you go to? What had you go to Portugal? I was curious. How did I get to Portugal? Yeah. Or what called to you about Portugal? Yeah. Well, you heard you're Australian. It was a very, very much a, um, a guided mm. message to come here. Um, okay. So we had no idea about Portugal. It wasn't right. on the map. Right. We were thinking about Israel. We were thinking about New Zealand. Mm. And New Zealand seemed really good on it ticked all of the boxes, but it didn't feel right. Okay. And so, okay, what are we going to do? And there's this kind of map of what we're looking for. We're looking for creating a community, um, living in a castle. Oh, really? A, oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the, our idea of a community is 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 different to what a lot of people a lot of the hippie communes have created mm. the hippie communes that i see they're created around the village um impression you have lots of houses kind of clustered around right um houses more like the castle mm. there's a central place where there's a lot of activity going on right and there can be a bit of a village around that but it's mm. based in some very central location Okay. A lot of people can be involved in the center and then there can be things scattered around the edges. And one of the things that this, this, the benefits that this gives, this kind of pattern, is that it allows for a whole series of different personalities to be able to fit together. Mm. So you're not asking everybody to live in the same kind of house. Right. You're just giving a whole series of different variations depending on how close you want to be to the center of activity and how close how much of your own space you would like and so okay yeah so this creates a more embracing community that is 
it's able to hold more different kinds of people. Okay, that's nice. That's a nice um, model. And it's also something that that is based on uh, a concept of leadership. Mm. So a lot of the alternative communities have a sense of not wanting to have a hierarchical leadership, not wanting to have clear leaders. Um, and I see that as reactionary. I see that as we don't like the leadership that we've got and so we don't, don't trust leadership. I think that what we really need is good leadership. Mm. And good leadership means that there's not a boss forcing you to do something, but there, is, there are inspiring individuals who are pulling the community together and, and creating opportunities and making you feel welcome and, and, and like there is an opportunity, there is a, a space for you. Um, and, so, and so not creating something that's entirely about everybody is equal, but something that is about everybody has their role and their place, and that place is unique to that individual. Mm. And so in some level, we all become leaders. Rather than not having any leaders, we all become a leader in our own, own field. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, really nice. And um, so... And so we you... had this vision of the castle, and mm. we had this vision of, of uh, community, and, and uh, Ella, my daughter, wanted a horse. Um, and I wanted to be somewhere where the people were more open-hearted. I really felt like it was hard to connect with people in the city where we were. Ah, okay. I see. Um, Got you. And then, and the last one was, there was another point. Anyway. Um, so we looking for all of these things and um, suddenly Portugal kind of turned up. Mm. There's a, a community here that are doing some really interesting work in the field of cooperative economics, like uh, political transformation, economic transformation mm. to a more community-centered world. Right. And they had a job offer when mm. I applied for that. And then... Um, I discovered that um, my partner could possibly get citizenship here right. because of ancestry. And, and then we, we looked into Portugal and the snake, it just seemed to kind of fit. And then it felt right. right. And so before we'd even done all of the research and before we'd really found ourselves, we ended up here. Okay. And that's been an interesting, interesting journey to go, this is the right place to be, even though we don't know how or what or we're supposed to be doing. And we ended up in, in this farm in a, a very small town. And it still feels like the right place to be, but it's, it also still feels like we don't really know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds like you followed, yeah. you're following the, you know, you're following your yeah. inner movement and following Absolutely. where it's taking you and, I mean, yeah. I mean, literally based on your story, like you had two very different places in mind and you kind of threw those pieces yeah. into the water and just went with what you felt felt right. And, That's right. and um, the plan that you had in mind wasn't really feeling like the heart plan and mm. the heart plan's been 
pulling you and tugging you along and it's taking you to where you are in Portugal right yeah. now. Yeah, and we've ended cool. up, you know, I came here mm -hmm. to, uh, some of it was to do with this community that I know here, and but we're not actually living with that community, we're living somewhere else. So right. Fine. So it's uh, <laughs> the, the signs are pointing in an interesting direction and we're going. And at the moment we're at a point of... Um, wanting to have other people come and join us and help us out with, with the work here, building, construction, um, finishing the house. Oh, gardening, okay. okay. All of these things. Right. Um, because we're, we're not really great farmers. We're, right. we're great, great community leaders. We know right. how to make. We know, I, I kind of say that what we, what we grow well is free-range people. <laughs> that's, that's very good I like that what we grow is free range people <laughs> that's nice so you want to bring in other people help I don't yeah. know maybe create the free range produce and everything to go with the free range yeah, people yeah. well I would like I would like the people who would like to like to produce the, yeah. you know, the free range the other things that yeah, I'd like to be able to support them <laughs> okay so there's more people that, yeah there's more there's more free-range people that need to come in the space that want that's to create right. those things. Okay. That's right. What's yeah. a different – I mean, it's a whole different way you're creating it, right? I mean, even that, you know. The, it's the, interesting because in some ways I find it very difficult to see what's mm. – why is this different from <laughs> the hippie communes that, are, that I see around? But it mm. is so different. The feel mm. is so utterly different. And I'm right. Like, um. But when, when I talk about the vision and I, the, the words that I come up with are like the same ones that people are talking about. So, mm. um, you know, harmony, living together in community, what's so unique about that? But somehow there is, there is an experience that is quite of a different flavor. Mm. And um, so I've ended up, I don't talk about it very much. I find that the best thing is to give people an experience of this kind of life. Right, and then they find it really amazing. Um, you know, we you get quite a lot of people that we talk to have felt like they're too introverted, and how how could you live with so many people? You know, we were living in an ordinary suburban house with ten people. Right. Okay. And but it wasn't like a share house. It wasn't this ah. common experience of a share house where everybody has their own room and they hide in their own room and they and they have have to kind of argue about who's going to do the dishes. It was, it was something where we would have uh, celebration dinners every every week, and everyone would take on a different role. And some people would be working in the garden, and some people would be cooking, and everyone was loving their work. And 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 it was so much fun, mm. and also so uh, so relaxing in many ways. So. What seems like the stress of having so many people when it's done well becomes actually a really joyous experience. Mm. So, so I'm trying to show that. And I think I think the way to spread it is not really by talking about it, it's by giving people the experience. And, and I always say that the the transformation of the world into the new society that we dream of, the more harmonious, cooperative society, it's going to come through the force of jealousy. Mm. People are going to see people who have 
really amazing good lives and say, I want that too. Mm. And then instead of chasing the money, they will chase the joy. Mm. That's a nice way to put it. Really nice mm. way to put it. Yeah. And it's lovely to hear about what you've gone through or all your experiences with this because, you know, I haven't really had an experience of any of that except I mean the closest thing to that for me would be when I was at university mm. and you know living communally with the people that I did when I was living in a shared house you know that's the closest thing to what you're mm. experiencing but inside of that there's got certain norms whereas yours is you know sounds a lot more um yeah it's a lot more freeing um in nature so it's freeing but yeah. it's not that it has less rules it's right that that the rules are designed to create freedom. Right, it's, a, okay. it's a strange thing like that, yeah. Right. Um, I think it's more like culture. When you develop a culture, it's something that develops over the years. Mm. And so, you know, there's a, there might be like we have a culture of having a celebration dinner every week. And so you don't experience this as a limiting rule. You experience this as a as a wonderful celebration. Mm. But in mm. fact, it kind of is a rule. It's like we know that if you don't have that celebration dinner, the community is not going to work. Right. And, and so this must happen, and everybody has to, to put some energy towards making this happen. Um, and so there is kind of underlying this, this rule that, yeah, we have to do this celebration dinner. But your experience of that is not as this is something that limits me experiences that this is something that opens me up to more possibility. I think it's really lovely to hear this as a joyous like possibility mm. for people, especially at this time when a lot of people think that there's only one way to live, feeling very isolated and alone. I think the idea or the possibility of, you know, people communing in, in that way and coming together and, and, you know, in however many numbers you wanted it to be. And also I think at whatever stage of life you're in, you know, even for older people, um, as well as younger people, that this makes that possibility of being together um, and, and giving up the idea that you don't have to be alone and that there mm. are other options about the way you can live and, and, and the possibility of community. I think people, people will definitely be thinking about, thinking about that, but they may not have thought about this as a possible option. And I think that's yeah, a really, really important one to come through. It's right a now. really important one and a, and a really good one. Mm. But what I've found in, in exploring it is that it requires some inner skills, inner growth. Right. Okay. Um, and so I talked about leadership. It mm. requires leadership. When we we actually, at some stage, ran several houses at the same time, so we were living in one house and also had a bit of a community in another house nearby. Mm, mm. And we found that, that that house required some individual to be a leader. Right. And the leader is not the boss, it's the one who makes makes a vision and makes people come together and inspires mm. people. We had one and people did it in completely different ways, but there always needed to be somebody who could take that role. There's right. one guy one guy he he just loved looking after people. And so mm -hmm. what he did is he cooked all the time 
He listened to people, he cared for them, he gave them hugs. They, they called him Mama because mm. he was he was so such a sweet kind of grandmary kind of attitude. Mm. And and if I'd asked him as a leader to kind of tell people to do something, he would say, "No, I can't do that. I can just look at it." And then you know he moves on, and somebody else comes. We ended up with with a leader who was completely the opposite. It mm. was like. We've got to get stuff done. Come on, everybody. We're going to have a meeting. We're going to take action. We're going to build a mm. shed here. We're going to make a garden. Action, action, action. Mm. But the, both of them had the same quality of being able to really unite the people mm. in an inspired way where they wanted to be together as, as one, as a mm. community, not mm. as individuals gaining something for themselves. The whole contribution. Yeah, yeah. And so leadership becomes really crucially important. And, and I what think I'm hearing, what I'm hearing mm. though, in, in what you're talking about though, with leadership is, is also a, like a unified leadership, like someone who unifies because there's, there's also different types of leaders and, and, and it doesn't really matter so much that like you're saying that the, the style of the, the, the leadership, but the common overarching quality is that they all had a unity to them and wanting to bring unity to yeah, the leadership with others. Right. And I think that's a very unique quality. Yeah. And it's something that we see like on the global stage, you see it kind of mm -hmm. rarely. Yeah. You see Nelson Mandela and you see these days we have a few interesting Prime Ministers, uh, like the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Right. They seem to be doing it. Um, uh, I'm actually quite excited by the number of them that I can see on the stage. Um, but, but you see, most of the leaders don't. They, they want mm. to take action, but they don't focus on the unity. Yeah, and, I know. And that focus on unity is, I think, necessary in order to create community. And and if we want a society that is about, is no longer about competition and no longer about force, mm. and therefore, and is something about harmony, then it has to be about community and it has to be, this is what it takes to be in harmony with nature and not to be destroying the environment. Mm. Then we need community and therefore we need unity and therefore we need this special kind of leadership. Mm. And in order to become a leader like this, there's a lot of inner work that has to be done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... Which is why I've ended up focusing a lot on spiritual education, spiritual mm. coaching, because this uh, this leadership is not something that can be learned from in the outside in the action. It's something that has to be learned from inner experience. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And it's interesting you're touching on that because that's that's something that um, I believe deeply and I think we have in, in common with each other, mm. that sense of unified leadership. And also I work with and do quite a lot of work um, around um, wisdom leadership. Yeah. And, and part of the embodiment with wisdom leadership is unified consciousness, unity consciousness. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Correct. And so... Um, that's actually even something that I'm, I'm about to kind of um, offer um, 
currently. So it's very interesting that this will come up even mm. in our conversation yeah, because absolutely. it's a very, a very clear magnifying <laughs> mirroring between us both um, inside of your sharing. Um, I think the part that that intrigues me is 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 how you've manifested that in terms of kind of community living, right? I see how passionate you are about that and how embodied you are about that, and and so um, <clears throat> I really like hearing, yeah, I really like hearing about those stories and and how you're creating that um, embodied leadership and how important that is in those communities too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess for me, I'm 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 exactly. I'm looking at it in terms of both the um, embodiment of the individual as well as the collective inside of this inside of the space with I guess you know a, you know definitely that the embodied wisdom leadership is also coming from also the emergence of the feminine and the feminine consciousness that's coming through because that's you know for me that's really symbolizing like the end of the patriarchy and I and I mean that from you know the the, the patriarchy that hasn't served um and hasn't served any of us and for me the end of the patriarchy makes possible a a much deepening and widening of this oneness that you're talking about Mm. and um unified consciousness because I feel like the patriarchy has got in the way of us experiencing that in ways that has been obviously very detrimental or destructive in the past Mm. 